Welcome back to Basic Training, everybody. I am your host, Michael Bays, and thank you again for tuning in and joining me for what I hope is going to be a wonderful time of information, a wonderful show full of things that I think are going to be important in your life, in health, and in fitness. Uh, I got a great response from the past two shows that I've done, so I really want to first and foremost thank every single one of you that takes time to download our show on iTunes and listen. That is one of the more humbling things uh, that's ever happened uh, to me so far in life. I've done a lot of projects. I have started businesses. I have written articles. I have done all kinds of uh, crazy seminars, but I'll tell you, this show, even though we're only 14, 14 episodes in so far, has been one of the most fun things I think I've ever done. I, I know I've said that before, but I, I really want to hammer that point home that not only is it fun just for me to sit in front of this mic and really try to go over a lot of information that you know I, I go over on a daily basis with my clientele, but it, the fact that you guys are listening to this stuff and you know we're getting feedback from this uh, at, at the website at basictraining.com. I'm getting uh, you know a lot of feedback from our email service. I'm getting some uh, of hits on our Facebook page. Everything is coming back. And again, you guys are absolutely fantastic when it comes to this stuff. And it just reinforces to me that we're actually, or, or I'm actually throwing out information that you are going to want to use in in your daily life. You know, whether it's about food, which you know we haven't talked about that in a long time, uh, and we're going to at some point. But you know. Or, or from what we're going to do tonight, which is going to be, you know, harking on the injury prevention uh, idea that I, that I started. But it, through the whole thing, whatever I choose to talk about or whatever you guys want to know, I want you to know, thank you very much. It's, yeah, it's very humbling and, and a lot of fun. And moving on from that into the first thing uh, I would love to talk about tonight uh, if you haven't tuned in in the past couple weeks, we are going over some of the major causes of bodily injury. And it, it being the new year and we're moving into February, it's uh, you know about halfway through the month right now. So your New Year's resolutions have had time to start, to peak, to fizzle, and finally probably to fail out a little bit at this point. But for those of us that have really stuck with it and kept with the workouts, at this point, there's probably something on the list that we've talked about in the past couple weeks that you've had to deal with as far as injuries go, whether it be from you know the lower lumbar spine that I talked about a couple weeks ago or dealing with some of the, uh, the myth issues when it comes to working out that I talked about the week before. You've dealt with these, and you're probably continuing to deal with these things as we go. So tonight, and by the way, the amazingly awesome, wonderful, crazy cool show that I told you guys was going to come this week is not going to happen tonight. <laughs> and this show is going to be really good, so you're going to keep going and keep listening to it. But what we're going to be doing next week is I'm going to be bringing on a special guest to, to the show, and we are going to go in-depth on one of the major issues having to deal with uh, bodily injury. And uh, we are definitely going to get to that next week. Uh, we had some scheduling conflicts this week, but rest assured, that one is coming, and it's going to be amazing. So... But tonight, what we're going to talk about, or what I would love to get into, is probably a, a set of injuries that you're going to deal with all the time when it comes to lifting. If you lift long enough, you're going to be dealing with what we're going to talk about tonight. And I think it's very applicable. This is not anything traumatic. This is something that is going to be more chronic in nature. And the topic is going to be the idea of tendonitis, 
or tendinosis, as it's called sometimes. And essentially what that is, is your bodies can, it's made up of a lot of things. And when it comes to muscle structure, you have these things that are attaching the muscles to the bones. And those things are called tendons. They're basically like thicker rubber bands. Uh, They allow the muscle, uh, they're the connecting points at either the origin or the insertion of the muscle. And basically what that means is at the top or the bottom, if you take like, uh, looking at a bicep here, if you were to take the bottom part of the bicep where it goes into your elbow, there's a tendon there that helps connect it. And what these tendons do is they provide a better base of structure for the muscle. And they, uh, they're part of the contractile process as far as being able to go from a, a fully contracted state at the top uh, to a fully lengthened state or the eccentric state. And, and what they do, again, is graft the muscle to the bone. Now, these things can actually become, they become inflamed. And they become inflamed due to the process of overuse. Now, a lot of people ask me what what does overuse of, of a tendon indicate or what does that mean? Or, you know, what, what does tendonitis mean? You just hear that thrown out. You hear the word inflammation. You get scared and you kind of just bury your head in the sand. But the idea behind tendonitis or an overuse injury is this simple concept. Let's say that we did a, we did a shoulder workout. You went through all your exercises, you lifted heavy weights, you got some new great gains, you did these new things, uh, and everything was wonderful. And you woke up the next day and you were sore. Within about two to three days, the muscle tissue uh, of the deltoids, the the anterior, the medial, and the posterior, is going to heal. And so the DOMS, or the delayed onset muscle soreness, the stuff that, the soreness that you feel after working out, the good soreness, that should work its way out within... 48 to 96 hours, that's a two to four day span. And it's it's ever progressively getting better as it goes, but that works its way out. And that's due to the, the lactic acid that had built up in the shoulder uh, from doing the work. So that burning sensation when you're pushing everything up and down and then you stop, that's causing something called DOMS. That, that, that's your basic soreness. But let's say you went in the next day and you did that same shoulder workout again. And then you went in and did it again and again and again and again. Okay, what's happening is that muscle, while it's becoming sore, is still able to repair itself. Muscles are very, very vascular. There's a lot of blood that gets in them. Every time that you do a curl or you do a squat or anytime you weight lift in a certain specific area, that set of muscles gets engorged in blood. And that's what provides it the fuel in order to do the work. Uh, a lot of times you'll hear that called the pump in the gym. If you've not done this, I recommend you do it. It's a quick tangent. If you've never watched Arnold Schwarzenegger's Pumping Iron movie, I highly suggest you go on Netflix, and I think it's on Netflix at least. Uh, go on there, and, and and I know you can get the DVD of it. Definitely rent it. If it's streaming, then you're incredibly awesome. That is one of the best movies you're ever going to see um, having to do with uh, the golden age of weightlifting. This is, it, realistically, that is the inspiration that a lot of us in the industry, it's where we got our start, was dealing with um, the issues that these bodybuilders had. And, 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 you know, like I said, grabbing inspiration from these guys and, you know, just seeing what they do for workouts and getting their intensity and their food and, and all that stuff. Anyway, essentially what's happening, it's called the pump is, is what we're getting back to. And that's the idea that when you lift something, blood's going to rush to that muscle. And 
all those nutrients get to go to that muscle as well. So because the muscle is so vascular and there's so much blood that continues to go through it, it has a faster healing process. When it comes to tendons, on the other hand, and I'm going to throw ligaments in there as well because they're going to be classified. Ligaments are, uh, they are structures that attach bone to bone, while a tendon attaches a muscle to the bone, okay? So stay with me on those. Tendons and ligaments both, they are just simply not as vascular as muscle tissue is. So what ends up happening is, let's you do those workouts again and again and again, the muscle's healing. Well, the tendons have not had a chance to rebuild their tissues. So if you start breaking down that tendon and you don't give it time to heal, it's going to continually be in a swollen state. And because of that, it develops something. Anything that ends in the word itis, just so you know, it is typically something that deals with inflammation. And inflammation is simply swelling. Uh, it's fluid buildup around a structure, whether that's uh, swelling of the muscle, you know, or you break a bone and that area begins to swell. Uh, you hit your knee on something. You've ever heard of something called water on the knee? Uh, essentially, that's, that's swelling that's going on or some type of inflammation or in the tendon's case, tendonitis. And what can happen to it with those tendons, it becomes a very chronic condition, meaning no matter what you do, you can't give that tendon time enough to heal itself before you're asking it to do things again. So in the case of the bicep, it, or the shoulder rather, if you were going and doing the workout again and again and again, while that muscle may be getting enough nutrients to recover, again, the tendons are just not. So they ache, they hurt. When you go through any motion, it, it's like a, a stinging or, or just a generalized pain that ends up happening in this specific area. And it, it can be linked to not just one tendon, but to multiple tendons in the structure. And you have something called tendonitis. And tendonitis in general can last anywhere from a week to months and months at a time. And a lot of it just has to do with the, uh, the frequency with which you're going to be moving that joint. Let's say you have tendonitis in the hip. That's going to last you quite a while because I don't know about you, but uh, I tend to have to use my legs to walk everywhere. And so every time you move uh, that femur in the hip socket, it's going to hurt. And, you know, and tendonitis is not always something that uh, is responsible for the inflammation. I'm just using this in a context of weightlifting. Uh, during weightlifting, uh, and we're going to go over a couple of the more common ones tonight so that you guys can get an idea or kind of put an idea in your head of what I'm really trying to talk about here. But, you know, it's not always responsible. There are other things that can happen in those, in those joint structures. Um, you can have things called uh, something called bursitis. And there's that itis at the end of the word again. And basically, that is an inflammation of the bursa sacs. And bursa sacs, uh, we're going to go with the Mike Bay's very simplified version of things again. A bursa sac is a sac full of air, roughly, a little bubble that sits in between. Uh, take your knuckle, for example. I don't know if you guys have ever taken your knuckles and cracked them. But when they pop, that is a bursa sac that's moving around. It's popping. It's designed as a secondary level of cushion uh, for the joint. So, you know, if you think of the first level of cushion as just uh, the fluid inside the joint capsule itself, um, the, the bursa sacs form over time. That's why if you've ever, for weightlifters, if you've ever heard your knees crack while you go up or downstairs, the, a lot of times those are bursa sacs that are moving, cracking, and popping um, to kind of help cushion so that your bone doesn't touch the bone as your cartilage is wearing down and the synovial fluid isn't near as tight as it used to be within the joint capsule. 
But anyway, when it comes to that, those are some other things. There are also a couple others in there. Uh, bone spurs would be another one. I don't know if I said that already, but bone spurs, bursa sacs, these are other things that can cause inflammation. But tonight, we're going to go with the direct cause because tendonitis is typically caused by doing something far too much. And like I said, we're going to go over about three specific ones that I find more often in my practice or my, um, my business as far as dealing with my clients on a daily basis. So we're going to go ahead and dive right into those, actually. And I've, I've got my notes here. So what we're going to talk about first is the idea of weightlifter's elbow. Okay. Now, what is weightlifter's elbow? Weightlifter's elbow, also known as golfer's elbow, is a very noticeable, very tender location on the medial side. That's the inner side of the elbow joint. Okay. So if you were to hold your hand straight out in front of you, and it's palm up, and you were to take some fingers and you were to rub right on the inside part of the elbow joint, that entire area there is weightlifter's elbow or golfer's elbow. And it's it's that because typically in a weightlifting situation, you're putting a lot of tension from whether it be a flat bar of curling or if you turn your hands over and you're doing either a skull crusher or you're doing some kind of uh, other tricep extension motion, uh, the direct pivot point is going to be that set of tendons right there. That's uh, Doctors are going to kill me on this one. We're going to go with the ulnar tendon. I believe that's the inside of the medial side. Somebody's going to write me on that one, and they're going to call me on my AMP knowledge that just left my mind right there. But that medial side, that medial tendon, gets a lot more stress than it would in normal life. If you think about it, you, you typically are just not going to be put in that position more often than not. So what ends up happening is, let's say you go through an arm workout because you're a guy and or a girl, doesn't really matter, and you really, really, really want to work on your arms. You want to see the guns come out. So you come in and you begin doing an arm workout more than two or three times a week. And you're doing all kinds of different lifts with different hand positions and whatnot. That tendon is getting so much stress put on it because the muscle is going to grow much faster than the tendon can recover it's going to begin to develop tendonitis. And so what that's going to do, that's just going to swell all the time. It's going to hurt. It's going to hurt when someone hands you a coffee cup in your hand. It's going to hurt when you have to try to turn a doorknob or try to pick up a plate. It can actually get so bad as that, that I mean, literally, you cannot have anything touch it because it's just so swollen that it's almost, it, it makes all actual movement a complete fallacy. You can't do it. So, this is something that you're going to find that'll happen. Let's say you're beginning a beginning lifter. Typically, this is going to happen within six to ten weeks of you starting a fairly rigorous weight training program. And this could be anything from a two to three day a week lifting program because you're going from a lot of nothing to a lot of something. And that is typically where you're going to have your issues pop up with tendonitis. Going from a level of not doing whatever activity you were doing to doing a lot of it. And that, that number, that a lot, is a very relative figure. It could be going from no lifting to only lifting two days a week. It could go from no lifting to six days a week. And it's very relative to the person. I cannot actually prescribe any, anything or any, any type of program that would help somebody over another. All I know is the more you do something and the more you start to see these little aches and pains pop up, these are cues that tendonitis is beginning to set in. Now, let's say that you have developed your weightlifter's elbow. How long does it take to go away on its own? Because it will. And also, 
what can you do to help speed this process along? Okay, well, a couple things. One, your weightlifter's elbow, for the most part, it can take anywhere from a week to about 12 weeks. That's, yeah, that's like three months for that to go away on its own. Here's the reason why. Just because, in the same respect as it took us to get to this pain point, which could only take a couple weeks, you're utilizing that, that tendon structure so much more over a short period of time. But then once it's up to that level, it takes a very long time for that to settle back down. Because once you realize how, how something hurts by the fact that it's swollen or it's inflamed, you realize how often you will use it every day. So, like I said, I know that you don't get all that specific stress on it, but you do get daily stress on it from turning a doorknob. You get daily stress on it from shaking somebody's hand or picking up a plate. And as long as it's being active in those respects, it's not going to heal on its own very quickly. So, what we have to do is we need to speed this process along. And there's a couple ways to do that, and they're very simple. And and it, you're going to find there's a common theme with the other things that we're going to talk about tonight because these are just the, the go-tos unless you absolutely need something much more that is prescribed by a doctor. Um, the first is probably the easiest to do, and that's going to be simple ice. Um, ice in general, making something cold, helps reduce swelling, and that's our major problem when it comes to um, – a a joint that's inflamed is the fact it's swollen. So you put ice on it, let it sit for 20 or 30 minutes at a time, and that swelling is going to reduce itself down. And so with reduction in swelling comes a re- reduction in the pain. Now, if you were to do that method alone, what you would do is you would wrap the inflamed joint wherever it is in ice right before you go to sleep. We're talking 20 or 30 minutes worth of time. If you were to do that right before you go to sleep, that may shorten the time it takes for that tendon to heal from, you know, 12 weeks or some astronomical number down to, you know, a week and a half or, you know, a week and a half minus actually making uh, or doing a workout with it. It's going to heal that much quicker. So and that's easy enough. But if that's if ice isn't good enough, what you do from that point is you go to mild standby, my favorite, favorite friend in the entire world, which is ibuprofen. Ibuprofen is something you can go and you can get over the counter. It typically comes in, I think, 25 and uh, 100 pill sets, and they're 200 milligrams per pill. A standard dosage on the back of the box says 200 milligrams at a time. Well, if you ask any doctor anywhere if prescribing ibuprofen, it's going to be an 800 milligram dosage at any given time. That's four of those little babies. And again, uh, because I didn't get in trouble the week before, uh, talking about uh, prescribing ibuprofen, I feel safe in doing it again until I get lawsuit papers at least. It's something that when you take it will internally reduce inflammation in the body. And the good news is it won't just do it in the afflicted area. It will do it everywhere. So you're going to feel a lot better. Now, this is obviously not something that we want to do long term, but we're using it very acutely to help co- or help correct something from becoming very chronic. Because tendonitis, what you'll find, will come and go depending on your lifting pattern and your structure. Because eventually that tendon will get stronger. It will develop more more vascularity to it. It's never going to match the muscle, but it will become better in time, meaning that you can end up going back to these workouts and it's not going to hurt you. So, you know, you're going to learn it as you go the same way you learn your body with every single workout. And that is... Probably the best way, those two methods right there, ice and ibuprofen, 
They're my go-tos, and they're definitely going to be the ones that you want to look at when trying to heal a weightlifter elbow. Yep. And we're going to move on from weightlifting elbow because that's something uh, d- that the lifters get a lot. And I know a lot of you guys listening to the show aren't necessarily uh, straight lifters. Um, I think the next one is going to be very – this one is going to be more impactful to everybody long term. But this is still something that it can be healed the same way that a weightlifter's elbow can. And what we're talking about right now is this idea of shin splints. And I, I can almost safely say anybody who's ever been active has dealt with this at some point in their life. And a shin splint is it's nothing more than what we talked about with weightlifting elbow. It is an inflamed tendon that is along the tibia. And sometimes it's a, a couple tendons that are involved along the fibula, which are the very bottom half of your leg, okay? It's right near the shin bone, and obviously if it's called a shin splint, and the idea that it's called a shin splint is it, if you've ever had it, it feels like every time you take a step that there's something that's peeling away from the bone, and it, it's a burning sensation, it aches. And a lot of people will complain that it's not necessarily when you actually take the step itself, but it's when the foot leaves the ground, that's when the pain really shoots in. Because what's happening is every time you put pressure down on that foot, you're causing blood to get circulated into that tendon area. Into There's a muscle that's actually right on the outside of your tibia, and it's called the anterior tibialis. And that muscle in almost everybody on the planet is just not developed. You don't have a reason to use it because, honestly, I, I look at mine and I go, I don't really know what this thing does. It's just this giant diamond-shaped thing on the outside of the tibia. I don't know what it does, but it looks really cool. But anyway, this muscle is being engorged in blood, and this happens every single time you take a step. So let's put that in context of you are someone who's decided you're going to begin working out. You decide, I'm going to do the easiest thing that I know how to do. I'm going to begin running. Okay. You're going from a lot of nothing, which is sitting very still, eating a lot of great tasting donuts. By the way, uh, there's a donut shop in my hometown that has just introduced the S'more Donut. I'm not going to say this from personal experience, but it could quite possibly be the greatest thing that I would have ever eaten if someone could prove that I actually had one. Moving back on to things. Let's say that you've gone from sitting very still to go and it's something simple. You decide you're going to run one mile. You've gone from doing nothing on that leg, especially that anterior tibialis, to Running, which is, by definition, controlled falling. It's called controlled falling because both feet at some point will be leaving the ground. That is the definition of running. So now you're going to take your once sedentary body. You're going to begin jumping on each individual leg as you move as fast as you can one mile down the road. Now, I'm going to go out on a limb as well and say that you decided to do all this because you might be slightly overweight. So now we're going to add the fact that you haven't done anything on this muscle for a long time. You're going to fall on it again and again and again as much as you can. And the fact that your overweight body is beginning to land on an unconditioned muscle group. This is the ultimate recipe for tendonitis because you're going from nothing to something and a whole lot of it. 
So what's happening is that anterior tibialis, when you begin repetitively hitting it again and again, will develop like any other muscle. It's going to be like your biceps when you go into a barbell curl. It's going to grow. So you've got all this muscle regeneration going on the anterior tibialis. But again, you have those tendons that line it that do not have as much blood flow. So they begin to hurt, and they don't stop hurting. It continues on and on and on until one of two things happens. One, you either quit or you get past it. Okay, Those are really the only two things you can do. It's, it's not going to tear away. It's not going to break. It's an aching in that tendon until it gets enough vascularity to catch up with the pounding you're putting on it by running. And of course, this is going to also be you know, alleviated a little bit by losing a little bit of weight. But for our purposes tonight, the idea of getting rid of a shin splint is going to come from the two methods that I talked about. One, before and after every time you run. Now, I know that before kind of flies in the face of what we talked about last week as far as warming up before you decide to go into a workout. But what you're going to do is you're going to specifically take a either a cold washcloth or a cold rag, and you're going to just try to cool down that anterior tibialis a little bit. You're going to actually try to reduce any swelling that's in there to start with before you actually set out on your run. And then the moment you get done from that run, you're going to actually take that same cold cloth and you're going to compress that area. It's the area right on the shin, right below the knee, right above the ankle. You're going to actually compress it. So I actually want you to take that cold washcloth with some ice, actually line that entire area, and then wrap it in gauze or something else you can do, tape, athletic tape if you have it, whatever. You want to put as much pressure on it as you can and you want to put the ice on it. That'll push out all that swelling. If that alone doesn't take care of it, what you're going to do from that point, of course, is pop your ibuprofen and continue with the icing mechanism. If you do that, you are more than likely going to not only lessen the shin splint pain or shorten the amount of time that you deal with it, but you also have a, a really good chance of preventing it completely. Um, and, and that is so strong that, and I get that question so much from people, that if they would just do those two simple steps, you can almost begin any kind of running program that you want to, as long as it's not something stupid. Like, I I don't run, but now I'm going to go do marathons because my friend over here does it and she's a runner. That's dumb, just in case you want to know. Um, and we can get to my thoughts on running if you want to, uh, which basically anything over a 5 or 10K becomes dumb in my world. But that's only because I don't like it. I didn't say it wasn't good for you. I just don't care for it. But if you do those two things alone, that alone is going to help prevent the majority of a shin splint pain. And then you can successfully run as long as you want to and use it for a great weight loss program. So, you know, that's and it's so simple. It really, again, it comes down to the ice and it comes down to pressure. And it just comes down to you know, allowing that muscle or that muscle and that set of tendons a chance to heal or allowing the tendons to catch up with the development of said muscle. So, and that, you know what, that leads to a really good point. And the third one we were going to talk about is patellar tendonitis. And basically, that's the exact same thing when it comes to the knee. It's the idea that you're bending the knee again and again and again from doing squats and lunges or running. Um, and the healing process is going to be roughly the same. So, but I'm electing to kind of go away from that for the last little bit here because I want to address what I got email form-wise, which is not a word. I'm surprised I didn't get space barred by John on that one. What I got in emails from some of our listeners um, last time that had to do with uh, my lumbar show. And that was this idea of at what point do you, are you qualified to talk about something? 
And, you know, this is, this is a, again, this is going to be my opinion on things because it's my show. It's, it's basic training show. Therefore it's my show, which means I'm going to talk about things that I think are relevant to everybody from fitness and nutrition. And, you know, a lot of that may actually go into some things I have discovered about the body due to my experiences with the body. And what the what I think is powerful about that is if you live something, then I think you're then qualified to talk about something. If I run a business and make a million dollars, I am then qualified to teach you how to run a business. I don't need a degree from Harvard Business School to say that I now can teach you how to run a business because I can then actually show you how to run a business because I've done it. So what qualifies you to talk about something a lot of times isn't just the fact that I went to uh, Wikipedia and read the article or I went to school and then somebody taught me the concept of that article and I got a piece of paper saying that I know these things. It's the idea that I literally have physically experienced these things. I know what these things, what we're, what I'm talking about when it comes to this. And some for some reason, that seems to be a hard concept for people to understand and and this this doesn't is not just localized to fitness and nutrition. This is with everything. Um, a, a big inspiration of mine in life uh, that I grew up with was Dave Ramsey. And if you haven't had a chance to listen to any of that guy's stuff, you can find it on iTunes right now. Feel free, download it, listen to it. It's phenomenal uh, about life. It's about money. It's about uh, personal finance. But that guy doesn't have a degree in money. He didn't have a clue what's going on. He, in fact, if you listen to some of his stuff, he makes fun of people that actually have degrees in finance, because that man's teachings go completely against finance. But the idea was that this guy went bankrupt, you know, twenty years ago, and now he's a bajillionaire, and because he's that, he's now qualified to teach people how to do that. And how that relates to what I was talking about is, I have three herniated discs in my spine. I fairly certain that qualifies me to talk about back pain because it's not just my three herniated discs didn't feel any different than anybody else's. I mean, they did, but the pain symptoms are the same. They're sciatica. It's typically the same. The idea of how to reduce inflammation is going to be the same. And the core process of how to do that is still going to be the same. I'm relating that a lot more through personal experience. And that is that's extremely powerful. I mean, it's scientific in itself. Science is based off of the idea of observing things and then figuring out how they work. So if I take a set of injuries and protocols and then devise a set plan of, okay, based on these things I saw and based on these things I've done, here are the results of how I got them. That is scientific method 101, boys and girls. And that's what the art to this business is when it gets combined with the science of it. It's not just, hey, we can go in and we can look at a biological level and see all these processes happening, but we can then zoom out to the macro and we can see how these things function as, uh, you know, as, as life goes. So we're no longer these little cellular things. We're people. And those rules will still hold true of when you see something and you experience something and you relate it, then people can recreate that and do the same thing. 
So all I was really trying to get across in that show is the idea of what we were seeing as far as working the core and the lower back and a direct mechanisms to make those muscles stronger, while that was a good idea and true, the approach to doing so by directly working them while your back is in an inflamed state just simply was incorrect. And that's from personal experience of a near a decade of a lot of pain. And yeah, I've dealt with that. And so, and I'm always happy to entertain questions and ideas. I, I responded to uh, three of them, actually, uh, when it came to the questions on the back. And, you know, whether it was just a discrepancy of what I was talking about or just clarification of, uh, we definitely uh, had a great debate back and forth. And uh, you three know who you are. And it was, it was a great talk. I, I loved it. And it, it's just, there are multiple ways to get things done in the fitness world. Again, from the beginning message I always had, there is no one way to do this. There is no Swami out there that can tell you that his way is better than anybody else's. It's just how you connect with something. So it, it's how you absorb the information in and how you can apply it to your life. And whether that's through your own personal trainer, or whether that's from a new book that you just read. Uh, I just actually read an older book called The Volumetrics Diet, and I applied some of its principles. And they're true, and they work. And the idea is if you eat a lot of vegetables, uh, your stomach fills up, therefore you're not hungry anymore, and now you're not hungry and you've not ingested as many calories, therefore your life is better, you get thinner. Um, so, And it works. It's not the only way to do things, but it is a way to do things. And that's why once you hear a, about a method to do something, it's a really good idea to dig deeper into the information uh, I know I'm not the absolute best at providing all the links out that, that I need to at the time, but I'm getting better. And I can back up a lot more information that I have, which adds some validity to my opinion, which is if you're listening to anybody, whether it's somebody on a TV show or even a doctor, I hate to tell you a lot of times doctors have opinions. Uh, they just are more qualified because they've been to more school than uh, you and I uh, put together probably in most cases. But still an opinion, and it requires further in investigation and further backup. And that's going to make you a more well-rounded individual when it comes to health and fitness. And the more you read, the more you are going to find out about something. And the more you find out, the more you can apply, and the more you can teach others as well. And then we can all sit together, sing Kumbaya, and no longer get mad at each other when you have a different opinion or when John has an amazing different opinion than my own when it comes to health and fitness. I mean – if you guys could only, if you guys could only hear some of the pre-show stuff that we do, uh, one day uh, he's going to record that, and we're going to put that out there for everybody because that is the true philosophical gold of the basic training show. Not my almost downer rant at the end of tonight's episode, but that is very factual, and it's very important to understand that whatever anybody says, whether it's somebody that's trying to sell you something or somebody something you see on TV or an infomercial or a trainer. Look at the information, try to find out what they're about, and then just investigate it yourself. That, and that goes with everything. But if you do those things, you're going to find out what works for you, and then that's going to help you, again, further this concept of health and fitness and life and fitness. It's just going to become part of how you live. And then we don't have to think about it anymore. It's just something that we do, that we enjoy, and then we're leaner. We look better naked. We make better food. We sleep better. Our lives are better. We live longer. And that's the reason we do this. That's the reason that I'm here talking to you right now. That is the entire point of this show, is to take what I say, investigate it a little deeper, write me an email, yell at me, and let me debate you back and forth about why I said what I said. 
and why I want you to think about what I said so that you can evaluate that for yourself. But anyway, that is tonight's show. Today's show, tomorrow's show, whatever show. John Kidd Space Barring, stop it. I'm pretty sure I messed that up a thousand ways. Anyway, if anybody else got that, I'll be highly, highly impressed. That was the show on tendonitis, guys. And it's something you're going to deal with all the time. It will not be a one-time gig. If you have tendonitis today and it's gone in a week, there's a chance it'll come back in six months. But if you apply the methods I talked about in this show, you're going to be able to heal that tendonitis much quicker. You're going to be able to lift longer. You'll be able to run further. And you're not going to have some of the common things that honestly just discourage people from doing what they do. And I hope the information was good enough for you guys. And I hope you can apply that to your life. I hope you investigate that further. Maybe somebody else has got better ways to do it. I want you to go out there and try to find it. Send it to me. I think it's wonderful. But these are methods that I've used personally with clientele for a very long time. They're very successful. They're very simple. And they will get you back to working out faster than ever. So from me to you, I hope your workouts are going absolutely wonderful in this first seven weeks of the new year. I hope you have recommitted to whatever fitness program you put yourself on. And if you haven't, check out www.basic-training.com. Check out Facebook page. It's Basic Training. You can check out anything. You can check out my Twitter feed, which is at Michael Bays. And follow along. I will give as much information as I can to get you back on your wagon. And that's going to do it for me. Uh, if you have any more questions, hit me up at mbays at me.com. And I look forward to seeing you guys next week. Have a good one. Oh, 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 oh